It's Saturday the 10th of July and this weekend England will face Italy in the Euro 2020 final. Welcome to the Football Ramble, I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushan Hattaraja. Oh. Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> you are genuinely very excited and emotional, Kate, aren't you? I'm trying not to be too emotional because yeah. you've also already ripped the, you know, yeah. out of me for being emotional. But no, I think we should ride this emotion. Yeah, that's not true. I think if we, if we channel it and make it positive and, and, and use it to, to fuel ourselves through the and next 40 minutes. If I don't cry minutes, in the next two minutes, we'll probably get through it. Well, would, it, would it be helpful, Vish, if we were to say to Kate something like, you know, these players have worked so hard and now the hand of history is on their shoulders yeah. and they've got a chance to be uh, glorious heroes forever? Would that make you feel better? <laughs> would, it make you, <laughs> would it make you feel better to know that um, a divided country has been brought together by the youngest squad yeah. At the Euros, the most diverse as well. Probably. The most diverse, yeah. who've who've simply tried to be themselves and try to represent everyone around them yeah. right the way through to the people who aren't yeah. necessarily represented yeah. in an England team. Yeah. Um, I got quite jealous of the fact that you were able to say that line. It yeah. feels like a like a real. I don't know, like a, not just a responsibility, but also a privilege to be able to say that, to be able to present and open into something that shows the gravity. Well, so I suppose the gravity of of this weekend. Yeah, it's so, absolutely. So fuck Nuts. you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> before the tournament, Kate, you asked me, I don't know if you remember, before we came in, and mm. obviously haven't got there yet, still got one hurdle to get over, obviously, but before the tournament, we sat out there and you said to me, do you think England will win the Euros? And I said, no. And you looked quite offended. You were like, well, why not? <laughs> I was like, well, I just don't know if they will. You know? And now, I obviously, I, I can't change that opinion because I didn't think they were going to come in through into, into the tournament. But now they are you know, firmly part of that conversation. And it's an amazing thing and it's something we should cherish and really enjoy. Yeah, I think I've had the strange experience of the whole way through saying England are going to win the tournament. But You've every, willed it into existence. But every, I'm more powerful than I could have possibly <laughs> yeah. imagined. Yeah. yeah, it's all about me, guys. Which, which, <laughs> Let's which, make can I just make absolutely clear, about me. it's terrible news for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but actually feeling as though we're going to lose every single game. Um, due to anxiety, I guess, not due to reality. Uh, But as we talk through the show, as we've gone on through the tournament and through all of the games and started to see what this team looks like and started to see how each, you know, there have been criticisms of Gareth Southgate across Europe, but also in this country about being boring and playing boring football. I think by this stage, no one gives a shit whether the football is boring or not. The fact is he's taken each game and he's looked at it on its merits and he's worked towards it and he's made... I mean, I know people have argued about the decision to, for example, put Jack Grealish on and take him off again might have seemed a bit niggly. But the fact was, that's a that's a baller decision from Gareth Southgate. Yeah, there's a team game, right? So that's the thing that's regularly forgotten when you cover football and when you watch football so much, that it's so much about the individual. People, people idolise individual players. They idolise individual moments, goals, saves, pieces of skill, and they're all centred around the individual. But what, and it even comes into play when you talk about who should win the Ballon d'Or, who should win the Player of the Year. A lot of the conversation we have about a team sport is about individual people, and but it is a team sport. And Gareth Southgate knows that, and that's why he's he's been able to make the decisions he's made. And to paraphrase Andy from yesterday, you know, nothing wins an, a conversation or an argument more more than a result, right? And yeah. and that's that gives you the credit in the bank that you, that you need. Yeah, and I don't think anyone with a, a firm grounding on you know, on planet Earth would say that they found 
the Germany game boring. They probably wouldn't say that they found the Ukraine game boring or the Denmark game boring. I think we're at a point now where we don't need to entertain people who want to cast aspersions on on a style of football or a way of being already because England are in the final. They have entertained. They've done it with a quite exciting group of players. Um, the Greenish example is a great one because I thought it was pretty smart, actually. You brought on a really guy to smart. open up the game and then the game, then you wanted to close up the game so you take him off. I, I totally appreciate the fact that he could have you know, still fulfilled that role. But um, I think the only people that matter are Southgate and Grealish in this instance. And Grealish, when Southgate went up to him to to basically say sorry for doing that, he said, Gaffer, I don't care, we're in the final. Yeah. And that ultimately is the more, most important thing, yeah. And you can make such a big argument as well that it's the, the self-effacing nature of Gareth Southgate. Because all of this stuff around 96 and, and this idea of redemption, how... how it's been covered really beautifully and, and in a way it's great that we have we can move on from that. But he's never tried to make it about himself, no. Gareth Southgate. He's been all of these things that we've talked about many times now, the, the modesty, being humble, talking about the team, having this idea um, of the unity and what, what it all means to be an England player. And I think it was under him that they introduced like squad numbers. So as in every single person who plays for England knows which number yeah. player they are in the, the history that, right? of English yeah, yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. Men's and women's, they're doing that. And and, I, and that's part of how he pieces together this idea. Yeah, we talked a number of times, you know, they won't instinctively know what happened in the 90s. Why, no. why need they? But they need to learn about it because I think you've said before, Luke, because they need to understand what it means as to be a part of a collective. Well, there's a big, there's a big tradition in lots of other successful, or not lots of other, but a few select successful sport teams of which you know the All Blacks is certainly the one at the front and centre of it where the idea is that you you understand what it means to take that shirt and you want it, and the idea is you leave it in a better place that you found it in. Mm-hmm. So if you if you disgrace it in some way or you behave in a way that's not befitting of what it means to represent the country or represent that team, you just don't get considered. I mean the New Zealanders call it in a very kind of pithy way the no dickheads rule. Mm-hmm. Right. But what it means is you can be a really talented player, but if you can't conduct yourself properly you're not going to be considered for selection. So I'm not suggesting that England go over the top and, and kind of copy exactly what everyone else, what, what the All Blacks are doing. But what I do think is really interesting is when you set it in context against what's come before. I've got no particular motivation or interest in criticising earlier generations of England players, but it's clear that they were not plugged into what it means to be an England team the way this generation of, of players is. And I, I don't want to overplay it because I do think that there's a lot of really good, talented players in this squad and we've got a really good generation um, of, of talent, particularly the depth on the bench, for example, is absolutely unbelievable. But clearly they've all bought into it. Clearly, I, I, I've spoken to people throughout this tournament who otherwise aren't really interested in football but have perhaps maybe caught an interview yeah. with Kelvin Phillips or a Declan Rice or a Mason Mount and been like, God, they're so nice. They seem like such nice young lads like, and they're really proud of them. And it's the same with Saka. He's obviously hugely popular and, and rightly so. Sterling's carried himself and conducted himself brilliantly. That Players' Tribune article as well. Um, from Gareth Southgate. From Southgate, yeah. from Sterling, from that, that thing that Shearer wrote about Southgate and the Athletic. All these things play into the, into the whole. And I think before we get ahead of ourselves, obviously England haven't actually won anything yet. But that's in a way, that's kind of the point. Yeah. The point is, yeah. I don't really think anyone will blame them or be disappointed. Well, they'll be disappointed, but they won't be angry, let's say, if England don't win tomorrow night because they'll say, look, what we've achieved and how they've done what they've done is an amazing thing. So I think there's some other things that play into it as well, which maybe we haven't got time to go into in great depth. But if you th- look at what happened throughout the 90s and the kind mm. of 
the, the, the kind of circulation war among the tabloid press, the lack of the internet, the lack of a direct platform for normal people, yeah. all that played into the, the terrible atmosphere around the England team because the newspapers were out to get them, in my opinion, and all the rest of it. That's kind of been broken down now. And it's, it's not, you can't really behave like that as a media anymore. Um, but then again, Southgate's taken the initiative on that as well, made it very open, did so famously in World Cup 2018, got access to all the players, didn't infantilise them, didn't protect them, just said, look, go out and be yourselves. So, so it's been a very, very well-conducted, well-directed operation, really, since Southgate's taken over. And we should all be very proud of that because they've become a team that are representative as vicious of all of us, and we're very proud to have them. And the point is, of course, that's leadership. Enabling people, to, enabling people to flourish. You know, we've had talent in many previous England generations. Yeah. And the fact that these guys, all of them, seem to be able to uh, show themselves for what they are is key to them having a place in the team. I mean, Steve Holland just said Connor Cody is his man, <laughs> is his man of the tournament because mm. of the way he's conducted himself in the dressing room. Now, you can see that as a slightly patronising uh, thing, but I think probably based on what we've seen in the team, that's sincere-ish. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, just to uh, jump off Luke's point there, um, one of the things I find really interesting when you talk to former England players, and I mean, I suppose I mean specifically people from that golden generation, so, you know, Lampard, Gerrard, Ashley Cole, people like that. One of the things that they talk quite openly about, and this is also reflected in, in players around their time as well who played for England, is that they, they wasted it. It's that they wasted the opportunity of doing something proper in an England team because mm. they're a bit too invested in, I suppose, the club game, but also like facets of, of of what they were as club men. And it is interesting that when Southgate speaks and and the reverence uh, that with with which the those kind of players have for him, Gary Neville, a great example as well. There's almost a sense that. He's exercising their demons as well. That mm. he's making up for the fact that they were perhaps a bit self-involved, that they didn't take the England football team as seriously as they like to, or they perhaps just products of the environment they were in. Mm. But there's all there this was idea a, that it was like a shop front for a transfer. Yeah, yeah, but 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 all, yeah, but it was just the. Sometimes it felt like it was like an inconvenience to them. Oh, yeah, massively so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it was just. I don't know, something about it feels a bit more, it feels so top down. It feels like, you know, for example, Mason Mount getting that little girl shirt right the way th up but you're to... But what you're talking about, Fish, sorry to interrupt, what you're actually talking about here, I think, is a kind of insertion of a culture into a mm. into a squad, into a group of players. The idea being that the, the, commit, the, the, the tie between, uh, or the link between the England football team and the culture of what it actually represents has been restored, is what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah These yeah. things all fit all fit into the idea of what actually, if we're trying to be, um, maybe it's a bit self-aggrandizing, I hope not, but what we're trying to talk about is things like the idea of old-fashioned kind of fair play or or, or being, uh, being inclusive, all these kind of things that we'd like to aspire to be, certainly here, um, that maybe has been broken down in the last however many years in this country, according to a lot of people. It's not a coincidence that Southgate's implanted that and now it seems to be permeating through the whole thing. But he had to persuade, effectively, we're saying as well, having come from that, the culture that existed there, is he had to implant and he had to remind everybody that this is the biggest fucking privilege there is yeah. to play for England. And the fact, you know, you talk about it being separate from the people, like the people watching. Mm. Like that, for me, I remember watching it when I was much younger. Um, was the thing that I found kind of a bit disgusting about the England team. It's like, these fucking people, how can they not think well, this is the Well, in the 70s, they didn't call off for any World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but how can they, you know, for any person, you know, 
being female, it wasn't even, you know, this isn't even a thing I could I could hope to have. But for any person, any little boy, any kid watching that, to see some people being at the what most people in this country would consider to be at the pinnacle of their yeah. sport, just dis- disrespecting it. it was just that's what Southgate said, didn't he? What you that's... achieve, what you achieve in England, if you achieve something, will be far bigger than anything you can achieve at your club, right? And that's actually kind of a, an interesting point for the obvious reason, but also because these players are so good that they will win yeah. many titles. They will win Champions League titles. I mean, they already lot, have lot, in many yeah, cases. A lot yeah. of squad would have competed against each other in the Champions League final this season, but actually. You're not going to be remembered in the country of your birth or your or your um, or your, your adopted nation, whatever it may be, um, for anything like you, what you will be if you can su- succeed with England. Just purely because you've got a little bit of a touch, because the context is so poor that England have been so poor in the past <laughs> that actually we're already talking about it like it's an amazing achievement. They've won anything it yet. It is an they've amazing got, achievement, but, they, but, but they've got a game tomorrow night. They have to play they a game tomorrow have. night. And watching at the end of uh, let's have a little glance at the, the semi-finals because I know we haven't been in a room to, in a room together since the semis, which we well, this was at both of them. You and I, Luke, were just the England. I was one. the England one, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vish was Vish was on the old ticket to ride to all of them, weren't you? <laughs> no, it was the yeah. gravy train with biscuit wheels. You yeah. wait, you wait for exemption letter. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Wave that. Just yeah. got this. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. way- Separate mate. How are yeah. you on slag? <laughs> Does he write the articles? He gives the articles. <laughs> At the end of the England semi-final, um, we saw afterwards, of course, Southgate went and did the whole, <sighs> let's call it the Jurgen Klopp thing of celebrating with the fans and giving the big end, but at Full time. Clearly, I didn't see this when I was in the stadium, but when I was watching it back, he shakes hands. He shakes hands with the coaching staff. He has hugs, but it's like, right, we've done that job and we're on to the next job. It's not like, fuck me, lads. I can't believe we're in a final. Do you see what I mean? Well, by the time the players got um, got off the pitch and were doing their various post media, uh, sorry, post match media. Every single one of them was like, "We'll enjoy like we'll enjoy this feeling." And then tomorrow morning we've got yeah, to start. Yeah, they've again. all said that. They've yeah. all said that the cut. It seems to me the cut off has been said that you know when when that night finishes, the next day we're back again and we've got another thing to go. Yeah. They've, all, they've all said that. They seem extraordinarily focused. Yeah, and that's what. Did you find the atmosphere in the semi final against Denmark was actually quite? It was nowhere near as tense as I imagined it was going to be given the circumstances. I felt ludicrously comfortable after yeah. we, after we conceded. Right, yeah. Because it was just like that thing is coming. We're yeah. going to concede at some point, and let's just get it done. Now than yeah. In the yeah. Minute, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the um the immediate aftermath of the Damsgaard goal. Uh, so where I was in the press box was right on the kind of near you actually. So mm. I was on Luke. You said you were behind the goal where Damsgaard scored. Yeah, with the real. Fans, I was on the. Yeah. I was on your right. Yeah, <laughs> with the real. Fans. Yeah, mate. Right. I was up with the real fans. So, yeah. I was up behind in tier yeah. five. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but the the reason it they were calm was because. England will come on the field. Yes, exactly. And I think it was really reflective of the control they had and the control they still had, even though they were one nil down. I think the fans responded to that. Um, one of the things I was really worried about actually before was basically how the nerves would imprint on the England team. Now yes. we're going to get another shot of that, and it's going <laughs> to be even more nervy on Sunday. Yeah. But certainly after after Wednesday, I felt a bit more assured that they could they could cope with that. Yeah. We're not going to just draw on about England all the way through this episode, but I hope you guys will forgive us a little bit of, I don't know, in-tournament reminiscence because yeah. it's been pretty pretty wild and great up until this point. Um, we're going to uh, go to a break now and then we're going to do a proper preview. Of the game. Of the game. We've got a game to play, bloody hell. Oh, God, I'm already <laughs> knackered. Do we have to? We have to? <laughs> See you in a minute. Oh! 
Hi, I'm Danny Welbeck, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. Oh, thanks, Danny. Welcome back to the Football Ramble with me, Vish, and Luke with you today. Let's get to some emails now. You know, if you got an email to show at has been banging on about the Sven one all morning. Do it for Sven. Do Do it it for Sven. Sven. I've got an email from James Myers. Cheers, James, for emailing in. Casper Schmeichel made a point about whether it's ever been home. Every time my phone has pinged in the last few weeks, it's been either a query about whether it is or a statement that it definitely is, in fact, coming home. Are we going to win the Euros? We're definitely going to win the Euros. (laughs) Anything else but success in the final, meaning that no, football is not coming home. Well, balls to that. I've loved every moment of this tournament and the drama, excitement, thrill, tension, passion, frustration, joy and despair of the whole journey is football being home. If we contest that winning the tournament is the only way of football being home, then we must accept that we'll leave home again. (laughs) (laughs) To me, the journey is home, even when that means losing in a penalty shootout, followed by 30 years of anguish and attempted atonement. That may be our identity as an England fan, just as much as a Brazilian might identify as a perennial champion, or a minimum agonise over a missed qualification. I'll be Aww. screaming at the TV with my friends and family like everyone else on Sunday, desperate for Southgate soldiers to take that final step. But win or lose, football is home. It's always been here. Very nice. Aww. What a nice bit of message and email from James. I do love that sentiment because it's been quite interesting, the number of England fans who've got in touch with me over like things that I've done and said that one of the things I've really enjoyed about the tournament is being able to just watch football with people again. Yeah, of course. That's the simplicity of that, yeah. Absolutely. And obviously with people, double vax, people, more people are watching it with their older family members as well. It's exactly. um, been a beautiful time. It has very much been a beautiful time. I think we'll remember this tournament, whatever happens on, on, on Sunday night, for sure. Uh, Zach Smith's also been in touch. Uh, hello to you, Zach. He says, I'd just like the ramble to know that I managed to crash my motorbike this morning <laughs> Shit. while listening to Wednesday's football ramble, just as Kate admitted to not having her lucky England shirt. Is this her fault? Because it certainly seems like it. <laughs> oh, Zach, I'm so sorry. I hope you're all right, by the way. Is there more? Is there <laughs> well, he's more emailed in. Yeah, okay. so, I mean, yeah. St- still with us. Definitely still got both of his hands. They've got wife at the hospital. <laughs> well, he's definitely got one of his hands. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God, Zach, I'm really sorry. What I should say is that I did actually, I wore both. Because this was from, I was trying to decide whether to wear, because I bought this England away shirt and then I had my lucky shirt. Yeah. Uh, so Your I'm, lucky shirt that's also an England shirt? Yes, correct. Right. Oh, you wore both on the train and you were really hot, right? Uh, yeah, I wore yeah, both. Okay. Well, I felt like, you know, it's a small sacrifice to make for, for yeah. the Southgate's England. Oh, definitely made a difference, for sure. We're in the final. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Don't look at me like I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, for, it's great. Every, aggregated marginal gains. Everything counts. <laughs> <laughs> Those you put an extra shirt on, a, a breeze goes through London, turns into a hurricane. Yeah. And, and then Sterling falls over. Yeah, we get a pen. Genius. We get a pen. <laughs> so sorry, involved. Just, sorry, was fouled. <laughs> Fall over, was fouled. Yeah, I don't know. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Yeah, don't show any weakness. I'm playing both sides. If they see a chink in the armour, the whole thing will go down. Italian stooge. Uh, Email us, show at footballramble.com. Tweet us at footballramble. Thanks to Zach and James for those um, lovely bits of sentiment on the eve of the final. Crashing a motorbike. What a lovely sentiment. (laughs) Lovely sentiment. That's my fault. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Great. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so look, let's talk about it then. Let's, Let's stop beating around the bush anxiously and actually dig into what this is likely to look like. Yeah. Did you just do, what was that, a mic drop? 
No, I didn't do a mic drop. I just I got really scared about where you were taking that metaphor. But yeah. go on, please. Are you making a bush gag? No, you were making a bush gag. I'm not making any gag. Right, we're in the bush. Come on, where are we going? <laughs> we're Homer Simpson. Yeah. Backing into the bush. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, Southgate said these are the two best teams in the tournament who are going head to head in the final. Yeah. All right. I agree with generally that. Generally how it works. He probably would say it's not generally, generally how it isn't how it works. What about 2004? Come on. Yeah. Okay, but if you if you can name me um situations where it doesn't work, then I feel like that backs up my bone because generally it does work. Oh, I okay. see what you mean. All right. It's obviously obviously No, I can't name any situations where it doesn't work. Vish. Obviously the strong teams get to the um later stages. Later stages. Yeah. yeah. Of but I don't know about the final. It seems anyway. It doesn't tournament, matter. Tournament football in it. But Italy uh has been one of the teams <laughs> certainly been one of the teams of the tournament and it's exciting to see these two kinds of football play off against each other because first of all Italy have played really really exciting football almost the whole way through which seems fish almost kind of at odds with the style that perhaps we'd expect from from a Roberto Mancini side yeah but do you not think we've we've gone through that um, reckoning and come out the other end where we just like we accept that this is that Italy because I I, I was at the um, I was in Munich for the Belgium quarterfinal and I thought it was really interesting because I think Belgium were playing a different Italy I think they were playing that Italy the old Italy yeah because when I, I, they almost snatched at what chances they had without mm. realising that actually you get quite a few chances from this Italian side because if you think of the way that midfield three play they're trying to be as efficient as possible and get the ball to their outlets on the out wide and obviously mobile up top. And so they, they give the ball away a lot, but they're just so good at being efficient passes that once Belgium were chasing the game and, and giving them more space, they just ate them up really. It became a massive problem against Spain though. Mm. And Spain should have really finished that in, um, you know, in, in normal time, I'd, I'd say. But the, um, but yeah, like I think one of the one of the reasons people have really fallen for this Italian team, and I mean neutrals in that regard, suits aside, obviously. So yes, the suits aside, singing yeah. aside, yeah, Chiell- yeah, Chiellini's sort of punch drunk style, of jawlines aside, yeah, jawlines of course. Um, but it's because they play an exciting brand of football that. I don't think we all, any of us expected coming into this tournament from anyone, really. Yeah. And least of all from them. So I think you go into this game, we're going to focus on this game itself mm. tomorrow night. You go into this game, and I think if you, against this Italy team, this particular Italy team, you do not want to be a goal down with 20 minutes to go. If, if England are a goal down with 20 minutes to go, they'll lose the game. Oh, of course. There's yeah. absolutely yeah. no, well, that's what I'm talking about. This, game, this team have been very, very good at, um, overall, I think this Italy team at being just unbelievably solid and unbelievably experienced. If you looked at the demeanour between the Italians and the Spanish going into that penalty shootout, I know they missed one, but there was only really going to be one winner. The boys covered it yesterday and I think they were absolutely spot on. So this is an Italy team who are, who are strong, I think, in every area of the pitch, with the exception of probably fullback. I think England are much better than them at fullback. But then they've, they supplement that by having these wide forwards that Vish has already mentioned who are very good in, in, in Signia and Chiesa. I think Chiesa will start. So... In midfield, they're, they're, they're dominant and I think England will have to not play a two in midfield. I mean, they're playing a two in midfield, they'll get beaten. I think they probably know that as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they play um, Phillips and Rice in front of a back four and have Mount kind of dropping in to help out with Kane dropping in as well. Because I actually think even against Germany, which is a great performance by England overall and a good result, I think Goretzka had an excellent game. Mm. I think Phillips and Rice found it very, very difficult to deal with Goretzka. So... 
Italy are, are strong all over the pitch, centre-back, of course, wide forwards. But in midfield, they've got the perfect blend and the perfect balance. And if you give them ch- a chance to dictate and, and manage the game, they'll beat England. That's what I think. And the way that Mancini has built his team around, uh, I guess, Ferrati and Senior Jorginho, we, have, we haven't even mentioned, means that they are so... Yeah, uh, both flexible and solid. But he's also a... what he's also done is something that we've kind of praised England for doing. He's restored faith, yeah. and and positivity into an Italy team that have, have missed out on World Cup qualification under a, a, a underqualified, almost a bit embarrassing uh, manager. Um, you know, you can draw your own Sam Allardyce comparisons. Jean Piero Ventura, but 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 Italy, he's a big listener to the Ramble. Isn't Italy, he? Italy have been able to do that. And they've been able to to really build up and aim and focus on this tournament. And their record is un- incredible. Like we can focus on England all we like, yes. and we should perhaps because England are a great team. And and, and I do agree that they're the, one of the two best teams left in this. Well, one of the two best teams <laughs> left overall. in this tournament. Yeah, they're certainly one of the two left overall. The yeah, <laughs> but they've been one of the two best teams for sure. But this Italy team are on a mission as well, and we can sometimes lose sight of that because we're focusing on England so heavily because we're English. They are. They're everything we're feeling about our team. I'm sure they're feeling exactly the same way. And I think it's absolutely vital that England get on the front foot and try and dictate before Italy have a chance to because they are as good at it as we are. There's, um, there'll be an interesting conundrum for Phillips and Rice that will be brought about by Chiesa and Insignia. And we probably saw it in its rawest form in the Belgium game when Insignia, for, Insignia's second, for the second goal that Insignia scored that little whip into the top corner from yeah. cutting in. He rinsed Yuri Tielemans because Tielemans was he on. Did a, but, 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 but Tielemans was on a yellow yes. card. Yeah, and so, Which, so a dodgy yellow in some respects. Sure, yeah. but um, basically they offer a threat not just to the fullbacks but to the the two sit in front of uh, you know they will offer a threat to Rice and Phillips. So it'll be really interesting to see how so far actually both of them have been very smart in the way that they've approached winning the ball back and also fouling. So Phillips has. has Committed the most fouls for for England by right. some by some distance. Hasn't he covered the most distance as well. Yeah, he has. Although, funnily enough, there's two players in the whole tournament who've covered more distance than Calvin Phillips. Pedri. Pedri's number one. Yeah. Number two. Don't know. Jorginho. Right. Okay. Not something you'd associate with him, is no. it? No. But no. he's played 40 minutes more and he's run 5k more. I think. Okay, right. Still pretty impressive. <laughs> but yeah. So what, what are you going to? So so Phillips has committed the most fouls. He's only received one yellow card. Mm. So it'd be really interesting to see how he... And I know, you know, Declan Rice had that game against Germany where he was able to play for 80 minutes or something with one yellow card. So obviously, discipline-wise, and also knowing how to make the right kind of fouls and make them look a bit more passable is in itself a talent. That's what you get as, as Shapiro, is. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get. Do, you, do, you think, do you think they mind us calling him the Yorkshire Pillow? Uh, <laughs> do you think it's a bit like when we put pineapple on their pizza? I don't give a shit. Or when we crack, it, it'd, be like the, it'd be like that TikTok of the Italian man getting angry when his, when his partner uh, breaks the spaghetti in half. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember doing it on the constant episode with, with James Horncastle once and he was saying that a lot of midfielders grew up in Italy idolising they grew up idolising Steven Gerrard, this Roy of the Rovers all over the pitch right, kind yeah. of thing because they were all brought up to be so tactically disciplined. They really um, kind of lusted after the idea of having all this freedom to go wherever they want on the pitch. So it's quite funny how like you always yeah, kind of crave yeah. what you're not able to have. We love the fact that Phillips is like he is. We call him the Yorkshire Pirlo because we love Pirlo because yeah. we've seen him and the love for Pirlo was incredible, particularly towards the end of his retirement. But they apparently, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening, but they... they they had idolised the type of midfielder that Steven Gerrard was. So I think I think that cultural exchange of what you don't have is quite interesting. Something else I'm really looking forward to, with my hands covering my face, obviously, is <laughs> the battle between Harry Kane, Chiellini and Bonucci. 
Apart from the fact that they, they seem to be able to read each other's minds, perhaps because they're going on holiday. Together. Together. Yeah. I don't mean with Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. After, well, depends who wins. <laughs> yeah. the final. Come down. Yeah. Um, yeah, they seem to be able to read each other so well. And this is probably going to be key to, to what England are able to make out of this final. Um, mm. But I mean, Harry Kane, of course, we've seen not only is he getting is he getting free in the box, but this deeper role and and the bloody passes that he's been able to make to to Saka to uh, uh, Sterling as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you you look at how the the problems they seem to have with Spain playing that false nine in the semi, because it what what you have with those players is they're brilliant when someone goes up against them and the game's in front of them. If, if, if Chiellini and Benucci it's, it's remarkable for me because they're, they're brilliant both of them but they would be even more brilliant if it was like 25 years ago when teams played two up front and yeah. they would have a real battle with them and they were it's incredible really to, to, to think of how how highly they'd have been rated then you know um, but then the Italian way of defending can be a little bit more um, can be a little bit more reading of the game a little bit more classy than your kind of muck and nettles that perhaps we're used to here but the point I was going to make is that those, those two defenders are fantastic but they are two defenders that you want to make sure you attack them in a certain way. So you talk about Kane going up against them. Mm. Kane dropping off will give them problems depending on what happens with Italy's midfield. But actually what you want is you want your super dynamic, quick, wide forwards to be taking them into areas they don't want to go. So if you can break quickly and Emerson or Di Lorenzo is up the pitch, you can bring Chiellini or Benucci into a wide area or you can somehow get them turning back towards their own goal. Those type of defenders don't want to be running back towards their own goal. That's the last thing they want to be doing. Um, it's going to be amazing to have two centre-backs on the pitch less mobile than Harry Maguire. I'm going to enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I'm not hearing any he, words. No, listen, he's been amazing. He's been amazing. He's I'm, been, I'm been incredible. Cruel. He's, been, yeah. he's been one of the stand-up players at the, at, at the tournament. But and his head is fucking massive. It is. Um, and and I think with, with those two defenders, Keelan and Benucci, as we keep mentioning, they are amazing, they're brilliant, and they could leave us with all the egg in our faces come Monday morning. But there are ways to play against them that I'm sure Steve Holland will know all about. And whether they can execute that plan or not will depend, that probably have a huge bearing on the result. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things I wouldn't be surprised with Italy is if they try and sandwich Kane in that when he drops back, have Verratti just... Because Verratti's got in to be a bit niggly. And I think For sure. kind of basically Verratti to be a bit niggly and push him back towards them, almost like kind of edging them towards the snake pit of Benucci <laughs> yeah. Chiellini. Yeah. Because I think there's, I think a lot of this battle for Italy, specifically for those two centre-backs, needs to be won, I suppose, when the ball isn't at Harry Kane's feet. When right. he is kind of moving around and they are getting close to him and, and just like pushing him, saying something here and there and just trying to basically get in his head. Because what we've seen over the last couple of games is Harry Kane playing with a bit more clarity. Oh, where he's he's... I wasn't sure if that goal was going to have this, you know, the same restorative properties that everyone else was assuming because yeah. I just thought he looked knackered. I felt the same, and I couldn't it was be more. more a movement wrong. thing, wasn't it? As it yeah, exactly. Out, yeah. He's, he's a lot sharper. He, he he just wanted that little bit more, and he looks like the hurricane you usually get in October time for Spurs. Um, but <laughs> how well we use him? But, but, but I, I, I think they're 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 going to be all over him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's down. For a sustained period of time in the opening twenty minutes, couple of because you know he does have dodgy ankles. This, the reason they're in the game for as long as they are is because they're they're good at every facet of defending, and yeah. one of the biggest parts of that is it's quite literally hurting your opponent. <laughs> yeah, but but so they, right. they are good at every asset, facet defending defending to a point. But you have to look at it from the other way. You have to go what 
what can you do to get, to put them in trouble? Well, you you were spot on there about, well, about, the, about the wide men. Yeah, they're not yeah. quick. And also, let's not forget, guys. I think I feel like it's uh, almost cheeky to not mention the fact that they are without Spinazzola, who was one of their their t- key players of the tournament. And what did you make of Emerson uh, when you saw him on, on uh, whatever day it would have been? It was pretty Tuesday. good. It's, it's the best of it's the best I've ever seen him because I've seen him play games for Chelsea. I think he only played nine club games for them last season. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he always looks a bit, um, a bit lost, and very much like he doesn't belong. But, it, but, <laughs> but he, but he stepped up, he massively stepped up against Spain. Um, obviously a low bar, but yeah, as I said, the best I've I've seen him. But I mean, Saka's going to have him worrying the other way. Mm. So I, I, I'm not too worried about that. What would what be interesting to see is no, how much... I think it's a benefit. I mean, this is ma- that's oh a yeah, yeah, you know, of course, thing. of course, because it's something that Carl Walker doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, sure. uh, Carl, Carl Walker has had a brilliant tournament. We saw at the start of that Ukraine game that when it, when when England play a four three three, he's the one that you get the most joy from. And I know it's, it was a bit more skewed towards the fact that you had Zinchenko in the, on the left of that midfield, so naturally they were kind of attacking that way. And Yarmolenko ended up roaming a bit more, but all their joy was coming from that way. Yeah. And now that Spinazzola isn't going to be there, that's a, you know that's something that Walker doesn't have to worry about beyond obviously Insignia. So, um, yeah, obviously a huge bonus for England. And also like a fucking shame as well, to a be fucking honest. fucking shame, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He should, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I do hope he makes. And I, like, obviously Shaw would have been a rival for that as well, but he's got to be in a shout for the left back of the tournament. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, John Stones, hey, guys. No no major errors. Bounsley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's not, he's not, um, he's not made any major errors yet. You, no. Did you say that as in like he's due? You did, didn't you? A I little bit. I feel like he, he well, is. I don't. Sorry, now I'm trying not to say words. It doesn't work that well on a podcast, does it? Luke? I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we are going to touch wood. I don't think we are going to be due one because I think if, this is final, isn't it? There are people who um, there are people who know more about John Stones than me and have watched him more closely than I have. But for me, John Stones' problems come from one of concentration, and he's going to be concentrating in a final. <laughs> like, it's, it's, to me, I, I remember I talk about this quite a lot. But there was a season I, I can't really exactly remember which one. About twelve-ish years ago, maybe maybe even a bit longer than that now. Rio Ferdinand for Man United was making mistakes because it was genuinely too easy for him. He he had nothing to do. He was so good that he just he just lose concentration. And listen, I don't think Stones is quite at that level yet. I think Rio Ferdinand he obviously speaks for himself what he was able to achieve in his career. But Stones is certainly as talented as Rio Ferdinand, and I do think there's an aspect of that in his game. And I think what Maguire's done really well is play brilliantly, as we've all agreed. But he's also been able to keep uh, keep an eye on Stones, and I think. Um, with um, Walker in that back line as well. He's very vocal and very experienced. I don't think it's necessarily something to be worried about. Famous last words and all that. But I also think that these, these, this back line that we've got, and as well as these holding midfielders, they are actually very well used to defending against forwards like Immobile and against Chiesa and, um, and, um, and Insigne. So for me, it comes down to quite a basic thing, which is get on the front foot, set the, set the tempo early, be positive do whatever you can to kind of set the agenda because I do think, and I've said this already, I do think if you go a goal behind against Italy, it's very, very tough. Despite what happened with, with Spain, obviously Italy eventually came through that game. Yeah. It's very, very tough when you go, go a goal down. If England get into this game and it's nil nil at half time and they concede about halfway through the second half, I'm sad to say, because obviously I want England to win, it's probably going to be curtains. They need to make sure that doesn't happen and they need to emphasise their strengths and their areas of the pitch wide areas is it going to get really congested in the middle because of the way Italy play because of the way that Kane's going to drop in Maguire's going to step out you're already going to have two players in there 
in Rice and Phillips. You're probably going to have Mount in there as well. Can you get the ball out wide early and attack them at fullback because they're not as good at fullback? It's the, those two Italy fullbacks don't get anywhere near England squad. They don't. So you have to use that to your advantage. There's no way at fullback if England play well, Italy can live with England. So you've got to play into your positives there. But it's much easier said than done. I mean, I'm sat in the studio saying it. It's, they've got to do it. So it depends what happens. Got a bit of a bead on hearing him say all this stuff. <laughs> Chiellini said it was predictable that England would get to the final because six out of their seven games were at home. But I mean, he, a bit like... Uh, are we going to be lectured on yeah. um, on um, on perhaps advantages that might not be evident in the public space by a Juventus player? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's what he wants, Fish. He wants yeah. to get in your head, mate. And of, course, and of course, you know, Italy have won the Euros before in, in 1968, where it was, a, it was four teams and they got to the final on a coin toss. So, they did, famously. You know, but, you know, one of the things about... Um, a noble victory. One of the things about Chiellini is quite interesting because although um, Juventus have fallen short in this Champions League quest they've had for quite a long time, he's clearly at the stage of his career now where he's he feels like he can just enjoy himself. Yeah, like he, he, Chiellini is. Yeah, yeah, I think people misread, I felt, in the semi-final that kind of Pally nature he had with the with was it Jordi Alba I think it, it was. wasn't yeah. a Pally thing it was an think, imposition it was, of it was, power it was Tony Soprano hugging Artie Bucco where there was, <laughs> there was a lot of love there but fuck all respect yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 a lot of love there but very much we all understand the established order of things <laughs> yeah. um, no I, I think he was also really enjoying himself I think he was just he felt like he was having a lovely time he felt this is great this is a, this is privileged to be here and I think he, he he didn't look like a man who had the weight of the world on his shoulders mm. now perhaps it'll be different come final night because obviously he's not um, he's not won anything with Italy. I don't believe he would have got to the semi- he would have got to the final of twenty twelve as an Italy player. Wouldn't have been there in two thousand and six. So he's not won anything with Italy. So maybe it'll be different come tomorrow night when it's the final and the pressure is on. But he seems to be a guy who's thinking, well, look, listen, I'm thirty six years old and I'm playing in the big final. This is great. I'm loving life, and that's a dangerous thing because it relieves all the pressure. Free. Yeah, relieves yeah. all the pressure. Although we said that about Denmark as well. That as you know, they were they were freebie. Pressure creates diamonds, Kate, but it also bursts pipes. That's what you got to remember. It's a great point. Danny Macaloli mm-hmm. as well is going to be assisting the VAR. He's the he was the referee in the Denmark game. Uh, you know, supported that penalty. So you know, if the conspiracy, <laughs> the, we are looking for angles here, that, aren't we? If yeah. the Italian, yeah. uh, if the Italian conspiracy theorists want to want to keep track, there we go. I've just offered you another one. <laughs> I thought I thought the debate around that penalty for Sterling was insane. By the way, what, my goodness me! If you're not watching football for the last ten years, I think. I, I did. On, my, I did my best, despite, upside, despite working in the media and having to write a shitload over the last few days. <laughs> I, I managed to swerve that quite impressively. Oh, yeah. well done, mate! Yeah. I think for me, the fact that people clearly haven't been watching football for the last ten years, but they're now watching well, football, I feel like that's that. a positive. That I feel like it, it's yeah. a positive. Hey, yeah. come along, watch the football, make your shit takes, yeah. listen to the ramble. We don't <laughs> <laughs> stay. Keep doing that. Yeah. Leave the others at the door. Yeah. 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 All right, then we're going to get out of here in a moment, guys. I I suppose the final question is how are we how are we doing? Uh, what's what's the plan? And ultimately, I, I do th- you think they're going to win this? Well, I, I think I think what we have to remember is that we are mere mortals, right? These guys train for this; it's a big moment for them. But they'll learn; they'll have learned how to own it. They'd have played in big farms before. Yes, I do believe this is bigger than something they would have played in before. But it's bigger for the Italy players as well. We talked about this earlier. We said, you know. They they have a all the stuff we talk about destiny and how long it's been since we won stuff. Italy will be having their versions of that conversation themselves. It's going to come down to who executes best on the day. But ultimately, they'll have planned for this. They'll 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 have a, a game plan. They've changed their game plan accordingly whenever they've needed to, to meet a new challenge throughout this tournament. 
And it comes down to one game. You can't predict accurately what's going to happen because something could happen in the first minute that changes the whole thing and your plans are out the window. They just need to play the game, not the occasion. They need to get out there and do their best. And I think we're proud of them anyway, Kate. We already said that. We're so proud of them, yeah. Yeah. I think Jim or someone said, as weird as it is to be proud of a whole load of young lads we don't know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, spot on. It's, um, I, I think... Just even the fact that tomorrow is happening at all is a bit of a joy. Like, personally, I don't expect it anytime soon. And the fact that it's crept up on us after, you know, the last 18 months that all the world has struggled with has been, I don't know, it doesn't, this doesn't feel like a release of like societal ills, but it does feel like a sense of a reward for something I'm not really sure, (laughs) to be honest. Because, like I said on the, I said on the live stream yesterday that like part of my job is like, coping incessantly with imposter syndrome and over the last month it's felt like I felt more like a competition winner but for a competition yeah. that I entered and wanted to win <laughs> yeah. and so like, I couldn't give a shit now <laughs> yeah. um, so you know I'll be working tomorrow and it'll be a joy and then whatever happens I'll sit back and think we were there and we yeah. we did something and we might not have won it who knows how it play out but we did something we did something important I would say, I think it was Bobby Robson that said, you should go out there when you play football and aim to enjoy it as much as you can. But remember, you'll always enjoy it more if you win. And that's what we've got to try and do. You're absolutely right, Luke. That said, in the most of the games, right up until the semi-final, I didn't really enjoy it at all because I was just so nervous in the build-up. Whereas this, for this time, it may just be because we're recording this today and the final's not tomorrow, but I feel the same on the semi-final. Just thought, competition winner. This is, this is a joy. To watch your team playing in this kind of a game. It's great. After all this time. What a privilege. And you were on it from the start. You said you said from the start that they were going to win it. And we, we did we did ridicule you, didn't we? To be fair, whatever you'd have said, we would have ridiculed <laughs> you anyway. That's just it was how more it works, blind it? faith than any kind of planning from Mason. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. Showed her working out. Uh, hey, but there was clearly, you know, I'm an England fan, but I wouldn't. I wasn't saying it every bloody tournament. Unfortunately, it's not on record. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't saying it every tournament. And, I've, and I felt as though I've, I've gone big on this throughout all of the te- all of the shows that we've been doing this thing about the culture i think it's something that philip lahm wrote in the guardian mm. about how this is something that mancini and southgate both share they've been statesmen they've brought together their teams they've created a culture yeah. where people care for each other and they're looking out for each other and they're a proper fucking team and that i think is the difference and normally whoever's got the best team is the one that wins big tournaments like this Okay, give me a whole load of caveats, fish, but that, <laughs> that that is what I believe in, and and that's why I love this England team so much. And frankly, you know, if we don't win, it's a good warm up for the women's Euros next <laughs> summer. Yeah, um, enjoy it, everybody. Uh, we haven't got a show tomorrow because everyone needs to lie down, and, <laughs> and I think we're back um, on Monday. We we're so so excited uh, for this one, Marcus Luke and Marcus. Luke, I'm turning up if uh, if we win. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just turn up. But anyway, yeah, it says on here that Marcus Luke and Fish will be back on Monday to react to the final. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for, I don't know, sitting here together. It's so fucking wicked that we felt a bit like therapy, didn't it? It really did. Just like, just get it out. It's so wicked that we get to do this, Luke. Yes, great. And, um, I'm excited. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I will. I'll do my very best to enjoy it. And, um, whatever happens, we'll be back on Monday to talk about it and, and, and be proud of the team. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Look forward to seeing what you write, Vish. Cheers. I might go and get tanked, actually, because I don't think I can sleep tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble. Come on, England. The 
Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.